Good morning and welcome to St. Gabriel Catholic Radio on this first Friday of the month of August. As it's the first Friday, this is the Sacred Heart Radio Hour here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. This is Father Stosh Daly, joined live in the studio by Chuck and Joanne Wilson. Good morning. Good morning. So as we enter into this Sacred Heart Hour here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, we begin by offering up the morning offering prayer. And then we will also today, because it's the Feast of the Transfiguration, we will enter into the prayer from today's Holy Mass. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day, in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world. I offer them for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart, the salvation of souls, reparation for sin, and the reunion of all Christians. I offer them for the intentions of our bishops and of all apostles of prayer, and in particular for those recommended by our Holy Father this month. And now we offer the prayer, the opening prayer from today's Holy Mass. O God, who in the glorious transfiguration of your only begotten Son confirmed the mysteries of faith by the witness of the fathers and wonderfully prefigured our full adoption to sonship, grant, we pray, to your servants that listening to the voice of your beloved Son, we may merit to become co-heirs with him who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Chuck and Joanne, it's the first Friday, so of course our attention is drawn to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, but on the calendar it's also the Feast of the Transfiguration. So we have this beautiful merger of two great opportunities to celebrate our Holy Catholic faith. Uh, In the Feast of the Transfiguration, we are drawn into the Gospels, where our Heavenly Father He's pretty clear in his words about his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I mean, he's not really like beating around the bush. He's like, this is my beloved son. You will listen to him, you know. And when we consider the great gift that the Father in heaven has given to each and every one of us, the gift of life, the gift of faith, and he so clearly presents before us his son, the Lord Jesus. When we listen to the Lord Jesus, we hear the Lord Jesus offer his heart to us. So in accepting the sacred heart of Jesus, we're obeying our Father in heaven. So it's a beautiful thing. Everything comes full circle. Absolutely. Silence. <laughs> you know, I think Father, I'm meditating. You, you, oh, what you said, Father. I'm exhausted. I'm taking okay. it in. That was a great hour. See you later. <laughs> <laughs> See you next month. <laughs> well, I think, on, you know, for myself, when you really think about it, pay attention. Pay attention mm-hmm. to my mm-hmm. son. Yeah. And... You know, that expression I heard, Father, you know, when heaven uh, has come to earth at that moment during the transfiguration, you know, how blessed we are to be able to witness God really speaking in behalf of his son, that this is my son. Yeah. Follow him, obey him. And I think when he appeared uh, back in 1673 to St. Margaret Mary of Alaco. And he said he would like every home to have an image of his sacred heart exposed in honor. And then he would bless those homes with what has become the 12 promises and bless those families. You know, I just want to challenge our listeners today to really understand if you have enthroned, renew your enthronement. Today's a great day 
on the Feast of the Transfiguration to renew your enthronement. And if you haven't, go on welcomeisheart.com. Go on welcomeisheart.com. A a lot of information, but certainly you can order the self-enthronement kit. And then when it comes, uh, a missionary can call you uh, to answer any of your questions, and then you can start your enthronement. But our Lord wants his heart to be exposed. And maybe, Father, why the heart? As you stumped us in the beginning, <laughs> it's true. I'm going to throw a question back to you. Well, well I'm going to swing. I'm going to swing at this. Well, remember, like in sacred scripture, the whole of the Holy Bible, the heart is used as a reference, not only by the living God, but also by uh, people. The heart is used as a reference to describe the totality of the person. So when the Lord Jesus Christ offers us his heart, he's giving us an easy-to-understand, an easy-to-digest sign, symbol, reality of the totality of his person. He is the Son of God. He is the second person of the Trinity. This is Jesus, whom we call the Christ. And when he offers us his heart, he's offering us all of who he is. He's offering us all of who he is. And so the heart being referenced well over 700 times in sacred scripture the heart directs us not just to like the muscle within the chest. No, the heart directs us to the totality of the whole person. So when we think of the sacred heart of Jesus, we're referring to the sacred, the sacredness of the Lord. So he's a divine person with a human nature and a divine nature. He's offering us the totality of who he is, all of what he is to us. He gives us that heart. And as we um, consider the significance of that that image, the image of his heart. And I think, I think in the way we use our language today, it's very powerful to kind of adjust and say more like as the Lord give us, gives us the image of his heart rather than like the symbol. Because when we think of a symbol, it's not the way we use that word today. It doesn't really reflect the reality behind it like it used to in the way we use the word symbol. But when you say the image, that directs our attention to the actual image, the visible image of the heart of Jesus, which is a powerful gift because it's the perfect summary of the whole person. So the Lord gives us his heart. And even in the Gospel of Matthew, he directs us how to be like him, meek and humble of heart. You know, his whole time among us and with us uh, is one that exudes the beauty of meekness and humility. And he invites us to have that. But, you know, when he's inviting us, he understands that where we are right now in our lives can be we can each be overwhelmed with incredible difficulty, pain, sorrow, chaos, confusion. We have a lot on our plate. And so the Lord uses that image, that reference, that word, the heart, so that we find that his invitation is something that's acceptable and doable and really quite uh, transforming in its power rather than burdensome, heavy, another thing on the plate. He offers us his heart so that we too may have the reality of who he is within us. And when we hear the words of our Father in heaven, you know, this is my beloved Son, listen to him. That's a direct quote from today's gospel in the Mass from Mark. When our Father says that, you know, we think, this is my Son, listen to him. And look at how the Son offers himself to us in the heart. And it doesn't matter who we are, where we are, what we have experienced in this life, what we've done, what we failed to do, what we've said, what we should have said. It doesn't matter. We all understand that reference to the heart. And we also understand, particularly today, we know there's a lot of unrest going on, Father, with families and so forth. We know August is a time to 
for families to start to plan for the fall and yeah. children going back, a lot of anxiety. And when I think of Jesus, uh, that image of his heart being outside his body. Yes, yeah, yeah. It wasn't like, okay, he sort of opened up a little yeah. area to show you his heart. He just put it right outside. Totally visible, totally vulnerable. And the yeah. symbols of it, Father. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, go ahead. Well, I just wanted to share that now we have over 3,000 households yeah. who have brought that image into their homes and who have some awareness of what the Sacred Heart is and why St. Margaret Mary, you know, had that privilege of seeing that to be able to spread it. And we also have, you know, amazingly, oh, thousands, maybe 10,000 of the holy cards and prayer cards out oh, there. Oh, no, 100,000. No. 100,000. Oh, yeah. 100,000. <laughs> oh, 100, I put those things in my bills. Yeah. Yeah. And we, and, yeah. you know, we are starting more and more as we are called to spread this devotion, yeah. spread the prayer, giving them when we pay a bill at a restaurant and have, engaging, you know, mm. with the waitress or wherever God puts you. But we need to be able to express why, especially not just with our yeah. Protestant brothers and sisters, but, and that's so helpful, Father, to hear you share about why is it we're seeing an image of the heart? Because sometimes it's sort of a take back. Right. It's like, yeah. what, you know, what is this? Yeah. And also I, you know, really have been thinking about, I'm doing this retreat with Father Larimer and he invites us to put your hand on your own heart mm. and, you know, really ask the Lord to reveal those anxieties or those yeah. tendencies and, and ask them to help you to exchange hearts. Because yeah. we're talking about a heart transformation yeah. with the enthronement of the sacred heart. So true. And I think, Father, as we talk about, you know, the sacred heart and being the month of August, I know we're into the this year the Gospel of Mark, mm -hmm. but we've taken a little bit of a a left turn here. Oh yeah! Now Absolutely. we're in the John six. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Love it. Yeah. You know when you're in class and you're like, okay, so we're going to be working our way through this chapter uh -huh. in the history book. Da 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 da. Okay, fine. And you read ahead, and you're like. Well, this, I'm just going to get this done. And then all of a sudden you show up in class and the teacher's like, you know, we're going to take a break. I'm just going to go back to this other book, this I other chapter. Breaks. And you're like, wait, what? I, <laughs> I, I thought we were studying. Where are we going now? Well, that's just what the church did. You know, the church um. is, she does not want us to um, reduce the mystery of the mass, nor the unfolding of sacred scripture to something that, oh, here's the form. Here's the plan. Here's the roadmap. Now we're going to stop there. No, and so she basically takes us on this brief break where we revisit John's gospel, but of all chapters, the sixth chapter, which is the Bread of Life Discourse. And this is so incredibly important. The heart of it all. Absolutely. And, you know, the thing is, for, our, for the people in central Ohio, especially those within the Diocese of Columbus, you know, we have been all invited to participate in this initiative to grow in our love for the Lord's true presence in the Holy Eucharist. The Bread of Life Discourse is exactly what we need to be entering into and living those words. The Lord is undeniably clear, you know, 
I am the bread of life. I am the bread from heaven. But what does he also say? He also says, you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, those are pretty declarative words, and there's nothing um, deflective about those. I mean, you can't say, well, he didn't really mean that, because towards the end of this particular passage, a lot of people pack up and leave. Because he did mean it, and they knew he meant it. And they're like, this guy's nuts. Like, he's cracked a nut. We're done. We're moving on to the next, you know, Messiah figure. But those who stayed with the Lord, they realized there's something about his words. There was something about how deeply invested his heart was in his words, and his words were in his heart. Now, keep in mind, this is, what's, this is what just, like, blows my mind. Every time I enter in John chapter 6, I just get excited. Um, think about where the Lord was born. Bethlehem. Oh, I know where you know? you're going with this. I love it. I'm telling you, it's the roadmap. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tell us you know? more, Father. And so when you think about who the Lord Jesus is, it's like, okay, sure. Yeah, great. Yeah, you came from Nazareth. Well, everyone who's <sighs> like, you're from Nazareth. That's wonderful. Uh-huh. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but that's not where he was born. He was born in Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Now, in one language, it would mean the place or the basket of bread. In another language, and everyone knew it, it was the place of flesh or the place of meat. You, huh. go, you go ahead 30-something years later, and here the Lord is telling everyone huh. who's with him, so I am the bread of life, the bread from heaven, and you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood. Now, wow. for those like John who are in you know the Lord's family circle, yeah. they're like, well, duh. I mean, you were born <gasps> in Bethlehem, you know, so you're bringing everything full circle. But then you have others who are not in his family circle. They would not have known. Maybe that he was born in Bethlehem. You know, keep in mind, not everyone who's walking with the Lord in the Gospels knows everything about the Lord that we know now, which is so strange because we're 2,000 years removed. But when the Lord says this, for those who know him, I mean, think of Our Lady. When she hears her son, the Lord Jesus Christ, speaking of this and telling them how people have to survive, how they have to be sustained, they have to consume Jesus. And this is the thing, like, some people are like, oh, no, no. Like, he's asking us to do cannibalism. Well, cannibalism— And laid in a manger. Well, yeah, a place of food and sustenance. Mm. But if you think about it, people are like, well, you Catholics, you know, you believe in cannibalism. Well, cannibalism is, a, is when you eat one of your own. But ah. Jesus is a divine person. He's not a human person. Now, that doesn't necessarily take away the gross factor for people, but it does, it does shake. It's like, this is not cannibalism. This is God literally giving mm-hmm. us himself body, blood, soul, and divinity so that we can live. I mean, the Lord is very clear. If you want to have life within you, you must consume my flesh and drink my blood. Worthily. You know, and he wants you to not just exist. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing. Like, look at how many of us are existing and we're struggling to exist. Well, the Lord doesn't want you to exist. He wants you to live. But you can't live if you don't have a heart. And our simple, frail, broken human hearts are not enough to live. We need the divine heart of Jesus. So he gives us his heart in the Holy Eucharist, but then he also gives us his heart to have it exposed and honored in our homes. I mean, in order to make it, just open your eyes and listen. I mean, the Father Mm. cannot be more clear. This Mm. is my son. Listen to him. (laughs) And I think when I hear that Father... It's almost like, as we've talked about, connecting the dots. I mean, it's all right there. It's so true. This whole program is about helping our Lord expose his heart that he wants in every home. It's not about us. It's not about what we've done in Columbus. This has been ongoing since St. John put his head on the breast of our Lord. So it's from the beginning. And I think one of the things we have to do as lay people, 
is to really appreciate our priest. And I know, Father, just August the 4th, two days ago, we had the feast day of St. John Vianney, who is patron of priests. And this is what he said. The priest is not a priest for himself. He is for you. The priesthood is the love of the heart of Jesus. Yeah. Now, without priest, we don't get Jesus. That's that's correct. Yeah. So, Father, maybe help the importance of supporting our priests today, of welcoming our priests today. And I know, Joanne, maybe you can share a little bit about as we have a son, a priest, yeah. how to yeah. help nourish vocations today because it doesn't take away from your family it adds to your family right that's so true you know when you think of a um think of a necklace you know and there's now you're speaking to joey (laughs) (laughs) sorry chuck open that wallet you know (laughs) so when when you think of a necklace and you're like okay i mean they range they can range in their value and their worth now think of a necklace that has pearls on it and you have a necklace with one pearl, and you're like, well, that's nice. Thanks, I think. <laughs> you know? Especially if it's like really tiny and you need to bring out the microscope to see it. You're like, your love is just beyond vision, literally. <laughs> I can't see it. <laughs> and then you think of a necklace with like two pearls, but they're spaced by like five inches. And you're like, now I look like I've got growths on my neck. What is this? You know, Or you got three pearls, and they're all spaced apart. No, no. When you look at the mystery of our faith, it's a necklace that's filled all the way around with pearls. There's no need to connect them because the pearls are all connected themselves. There's no space in between them. So when you look at, like what you said, Chuck, the priesthood, the Eucharist, the church, there's no space between those three. They are all joined together. So in the priesthood, the Lord makes himself available to us to have our sins forgiven, you know, to... uh then, of course, make himself available to us in the Holy Eucharist. And then from the Eucharist, we have that reality of Christ truly present among us, and the church thrives. She's not just born, and she thrives, and she grows. So the church, in order to just exist and live, she needs the Eucharist. Well, in order for the Eucharist to be present, we need the priesthood. So you got these three pearls, and they're just so intimately connected to one another that you just start to see this beautiful string of pearls form. And from the church, the next pearl is life in the soul. And from life in the soul, that you know leads to giving witness. And that opens us up to the vocations, uh, to sharing and spreading joy, to communicating the holy faith to whether it's a young child in the classroom or maybe someone on the deathbed. I mean, these pearls just keep on going and going and going, but it all goes back to the Father's love made visibly present among us in the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus who institutes the priesthood, so that he can be remain among us in the Holy Eucharist, and from the Eucharist, the Church, and from the Church in each one of us. And then we just offer that. And it's just, it's just amazing. But, you know, your priest, um, on this first Friday, on this Feast of the Transfiguration, as a priest of Jesus Christ, I just humbly beg you, please, on, t- on this day, uh, lift up your eyes and look towards the heart of Jesus. And as you do that, as you gaze upon the Lord, please pray for your priests, that they will truly um, be men who are able to, A, acknowledge that they have a heart, and B, offer that heart of theirs to the Lord, then accept the sacred heart that he offers to them, and just truly you know, uh, be supported by the faithful 
um, and be loved by the faithful. And your prayers literally carry the priest to the altar when things are hard. And over the years, since having a son who was called, is called the priesthood, I've been asked to share at different times with women's groups about nurturing a vocation or identifying a vocation. And uh, for some, they just really want their son to be a priest. Yeah. And others really do not. (laughs) (laughs) And the Lord took notice of both. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But what we have shared and continue to share is that priests come from families. So true. And, you know, and not that the Lord can't overcome because he certainly can. He can actually use um, you know, heartache and disappointment and tragedy and all those things because he is the Lord. But as parents, what we can do is just try to share the faith, mm-hmm. try to have a Bethany home. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, the Lord will fill in, but just try to, you know, raise a healthy, normal boy. Yeah. A balanced person. Yeah. And if you can get your children, and same for women, for the religious vocation, to listen to the Lord, yep. to be able to have that relationship. And, you know, really, there's so many distractions today, Father, mm. not just for children, but to listen to the Lord. And if you can, provide opportunities beyond you know, Sunday mass trips to our lady, a consolation, you know, taking a vacation at family land. These things can go a long way that the Holy spirit can work in ways that you have no idea because it's the Lord loves them. And he wants to communicate to them, especially a priestly vocation. So you can be somewhat fertile ground by just being, parents yeah but by enthroning your home by you as parents saying in our home we will serve the lord Mm. yes we're sinners yes we're broken all the more reason that we need a savior here and by doing that by opening the door you're opening up a fountain of grace a tsunami of grace and it doesn't stop there it's just the beginning but it's an adventure and Finally, I will just share because of today and all the, you know, persecution of priests, there's no greater gift than having a son that's a priest, Mm. not just for parents, but for family. And then to see what the community, to see the parish, to see the mission land, how he is a father, he's a spiritual father. And it's just it warms your heart in a way that really is beyond words. Yeah. You know what I think? Um, as a convert and a father who didn't grow up even discerning um, a vocation, never even thought the vocation was never part of the Protestant uh, faith tradition. It wasn't like, what is your vocation? Yeah. I mean, your vocation was to go out work. Yeah, sure. That, that was it. Yeah. And, um, and I think as uh, that transformation happened, coming into the church, for me today, we, we had the privilege of going 630 Mass. For me today, mm-hmm. when I go to Mass and I receive the Eucharist, I'm changed. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't deserve it. I'm, 
I'm just saying is something happens. Yeah, totally. When I receive that. And I think of this statement by Bishop O'Connell, uh, who was the bishop in Trenton in June of 18, I mean, June 18, 2020. And he did a talk on this. And I thought of you, Father, the sacred heart of Jesus and the human heart of a priest shall beat as one. Mm. And it has to be the Eucharist. Yeah. No, it's very true. I'm always, um, you know, it's interesting because as, uh, and you both referenced this and pointed directly to it, as Catholics, we don't realize just how different our vocabulary is, how our Mm. conversation is supposed to be, how our prayer life is supposed to unfold in the home, like with the Mm -hmm. family. I mean, you like Chuck, you just said, you know, growing up Protestant, it's like, well, it's not like we had, you know, litanies to pray for the vocations of our kids. It's like, you're going to grow up, you're going to get a job, you're going right. to be productive, you're going to mm-hmm. be a, be successful and have a family. And, Beautiful. And, and I say this just, have a little grape juice on Sunday. <laughs> sure. <laughs> you know, no, so, but yeah. as a token. It's it's true. Right. Yeah. But it wasn't yeah. like life changing. Yep. And then you go into like the Catholic experience, and here we are teaching the children in their second grade year how to receive our Lord and the Holy in Holy Communion, and we're like, and now you're going to pray about being priests, sisters, and faithful married people, and it's just like, what? <laughs> it's just a totally different, but it's it's supposed to be healthy and normal, and really the norm to encourage the child to be open to Jesus and whatever Jesus is asking. You know, I just had a retreat. I was preaching for some sisters, and. It was on the Sacred Heart, the Litany of the Sacred Heart, and I shared about, um, oh boy, it was like 21 years ago. Um, well, that was a flashback. <laughs> so when I was entering seminary, there a bunch of us were sitting around the table, and we were uh, entering that fall, and everyone was sharing their quote-unquote vocation story, you know, how they came to realize seminary, priesthood, and et cetera, et cetera. And there were all of these, like, adventurous, bright, shining lights in the middle of the dark room, you know. This is when I realized, you know, I was on the top bunk, and I was supposed to go off to uh, university, make use of my scholarship, and the Lord just woke me and said, no, I want you to go in a different direction. Or someone was on the verge of proposing, uh, or they were already engaged to their fiancé, you know. And then it came around to me, and it's like, I don't have anything fancy to share, Hmm. you know. They're like, well— when did you realize? I was like, mm, my first Holy Communion. And then from then on, it was just mm-hmm. like, okay, got that check. You know, that box is checked. Great. Wow, what you know, a grace. It was. It, it was very much a grace uh, to realize that my first Holy Communion. But it, it just makes you filled with wonder and awe at how the Lord will invite at different moments in a very clear way. And so it's like for that mother, for that father— regardless if they've been a cradle Catholic or a convert, is to cultivate that openness to the voice of yes, the Lord. absolutely, and Father. the best way to cultivate that openness is mm-hmm. by you yourself being open to how the Lord is speaking to you throughout the day and then sharing that with your sons and daughters by saying, you know, in my conversation with the Lord today, mm-hmm. this is what came about. And making that reference, that reality, the norm in the home mm-hmm. so that when your child does hear the voice of the Lord, they don't think it's, you know, a voice from the TV or the radio, point, but cultivating that openness. And I think, you know, that's the thing. Like when you have the sacred heart of Jesus exposed and honored in your home, you have to realize that that is not normal, but it's supposed to be. Yeah. Like every home is supposed to have the heart of Jesus at the center of the home, undeniably visible and present at the center of, and it's supposed to foster this 
conversation with the Lord throughout the day, the whole day. Not every conversation might be pleasant. Sometimes the Lord has to call us to task. Sometimes he's going to console us and strengthen us and encourage us and invite us and send us out. But to cultivate that openness to the presence of the Lord in our lives, it's so much easier when you have the heart exposed in front of you in your home and you realize he is here and I need to listen to him. And then that creates an environment, a powerful, beautiful seedbed in the home where the children realize, I too, it's normal for me to listen to the Lord. And, you know, I think it's really helpful to, as you're saying prayers as a family and saying prayers with children, not just to have the memorized prayers, right? to really pray from your heart so they can also learn yep. to how to pray from their heart. Not, you know, I love the, um, I love the memorized prayers, but you know, they're sometimes a starting point, exactly, not an end game. Yeah. Yep. And I think the biggest challenge totally. today for men is really to understand we are called to be the spiritual fathers yeah. of the family. So we are in so-called quote, a priest of our family. It's true. That is so true. And the thing is, like, I, I just had a group of men email me in unison. I mean, it's like 40-something men on this email. And it was like, Father, can you answer a couple of questions? And it's like, okay. What's the most important thing we need to do? I said, acknowledge that you have a heart. Next one, get rid of it. Acknowledge you have it and get rid of it by giving it to the Lord. Allow mm-hmm. the Lord to infuse you with that paternity that he needs you to really have for your wife, for your children. Um, be that father not just in biology, but in spirituality. You know, bring the Lord into the home and bring that home to the Lord. You, you, exactly. So true. And don't be afraid of the sacred heart of Jesus. This is not like a woman's thing. This mm-hmm. is a Christian thing. Mm-hmm. It's for men and women. Absolutely. And, and I think for fathers, you know, today you're very protective of your children, and that's, that's good. Put the helmet on their head when they ride a bike. Yeah. Make sure they don't wander from the home. You have all this. But for some reason, we don't have that same intensity for their spiritual life. I know. And, yeah. and I think yeah. as fathers, we need, to take, we need to take this spiritual life as a priority. And so if you stay tuned, we might have a couple ways to do it Ooh, on session yes. Two. A couple, only a couple. <laughs> maybe a, we always maybe, throw out way more than a couple more. of anything. Maybe more. <laughs> For those of you who might have your schedule handy or your calendar handy, I just something to like throw out there. Jot down on August twenty eighth. There's going to be a special gathering of the faithful at St. Charles High School in Columbus, and it's going to be a gathering focused on exploring and delving deep into the great mystery of God's love in the Holy Eucharist. And uh, it'll begin with Holy Mass at eight thirty. And there'll be presentations from our own Bishop Brennan, as well as Archbishop Nelson Perez from Philadelphia. And, um, you know, just being sensitive to the demands on everyone's life. And, you know, it'll begin at 830 with Holy Mass and scheduled to end before noon, around noon. But you know how Catholics are. We just hang out. Do you register for that, Father? Is there a cost for that? There is a registration. uh, Real Presence, Real Future. Or St. Gabriel Radio dot com. And no cost. Yeah. So you're definitely invited. So if you have that, you know, jot that down in your schedule and include in your plan. It's a beautiful way to, in this month of Our Lady, that month of August, to just kind of have that opportunity to grow deeper in love for the Lord. Um, As we bring to a close this first segment of this Sacred Heart Hour on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, 
we invite you to join us as we direct our attention to the heart of Jesus. Dear Sacred Heart of Jesus, we renew our pledge of love and loyalty to you. Keep us always close to your loving heart and to the most immaculate heart of your mother. May we love one another more each day, forgiving each other's faults as you forgive us our sins. Teach us to see you in the members of our family and those we meet outside the home, loving them as you love them, especially the poor and oppressed, that we may be instrumental in bringing about justice and peace. Help us carry our cross daily out of love for you and help us strengthen this love by frequent participation in the celebration of the Eucharist. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of our faith and all the blessings of this day. Amen. Amen. I don't think men have ever been as lonely as they are today. And it's easy to get depressed about it. Where are the kind of guys I hung out with in college? Everybody's too busy. No one makes time for one another. Workplaces and neighborhoods, they're just too transient to form meaningful connections. You know what? Maybe that's all true. But if you really want to know what the problem is, look in the mirror. Instead of whining, you need to become the change you want to see in the world by becoming the kind of friend you wish you had. Think of the qualities of your ideal friend. Seriously, think of a list of what that person would look like. Now, you ready for this? Go and be that friend to somebody. But to who? This person has this flaw, that person has that flaw. (laughs) Stop that. Be the friend you wish you had, and I promise you, you'll form the friendships you've been missing. The world is a lonely place. You have the power to fix that. This is Chris Stefanik. For more of our men's program, visit reallifecatholic.com. Well, as a teenager, I didn't really see how relevant uh, religion was in my life. In my early 20s, I, I began to look at other faiths. Well, I, I understand as, as a Catholic that the things that I, were, I was given uh, at a very early age, those things never ended. They're still with me. That's what drew me back. Because the Catholic Church is, a, is worldwide, th- there are so many different types of people that come to the church and, and it's a place where I feel accepted for who I am. I'm where God wants me to be. And, and I feel like my life is, can be used for what he wants now. And when I came back, I said, Lord, you were waiting for me the whole time with your arms open wide. And I have come home. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for whatever reason, we invite you to take another look. Visit catholicscomehome.org today. Good morning. This is the Sacred Heart Hour on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, and we join you live for the second segment of this hour. The Sacred Heart Hour, as it's the first Friday of the month of August, is also the Feast of the Transfiguration of the Lord Jesus Christ. As we enter into the second segment of the Sacred Heart Hour, we invite you to join us by offering up this segment to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. Most kind Jesus, we humbly kneel at thy feet. We renew the consecration of ourselves to thy divine heart. Be thou our King forever. In thee we have full and entire confidence. May thy Spirit penetrate our thoughts, our desires, our words, and our deeds. Bless our undertakings, share in our joys and in our trials and in our labors. Grant us to know thee better, to love thee more, and to serve thee without faltering. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. 
You know, for those of you who just turned on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio and maybe missed the first segment of this Sacred Heart Hour on this first Friday, we covered a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we covered a lot. Time flies when you're having it's fun. It's so true. And, you know, we highlighted that in the month of August, we've got the beautiful feast of St. John Vianney, who um, had been the par- uh, patron saint of parish priests, but then under Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, his patroness was spread um, to all priests. Oh, and, interesting. Um, and you know, the question naturally arises: Well, well, why? And I think it's all. It comes down to how um, he lived such a beautiful way of life as a priest, fiercely devoted to the beloved Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, and the Holy Eucharist, his Sacred Heart. Very attentive to the needs of sinners, spending hours. I mean, it, it depending on some of his years, you know, he would be eleven hours in the confessional um, during one season, sixteen hours in the confessional during another season, um, and it just kind of showed that zeal for souls, that zeal for souls. And you know, another thing to keep in mind is he had to overcome so much in his life. Um, you know, France had been ripped apart by the French Revolution. By the Enlightenment, um, priests and religious sisters had been murdered by the thousands. So there was a terrible shortage of priests and religious sisters. The domestic church, the family life, had been afflicted with so much persecution. And the faith was very weak and very spread thin, you might say. And then the Lord, in his great love for us, at that time, he raises up this beautiful, uh, simple priest who just loved the people. He appear to be, though, a talented person. No. You know, no. intellectually right. or even physically. He right. was frail. Yeah. And, uh, you know, kind of homely, really. I yeah. mean, it's like, you yeah. know, he was humble. He was little. Yeah. But look at yeah. how he was raised up. It's so true. In, in the, the eyes of the world, he, he didn't have much to in offer. In the eyes of the world. Yeah. But in the eyes of the Lord, he was a saint. And um, and I think there's just so much there, but you know, you learn so much. And uh, I remember what was it? Uh, the devil, you know, he said to Saint John Vianney, "If I, if there were but one or two more of you, I would lose the whole world because of yeah. how much, how fervent he was in his love for the Lord and how passionate he was to save souls, listening to confessions, exposing the Lord for adoration, offering holy masses, you know, preaching and teaching." And there's that little, there's that encounter when he was on his way to ours, and he. In, encountered a little child in the countryside and he asked for the child you know what's the direction to ours and the little child the little child responded he's like well why do you want to go there no one ever wants to go to ours you know it's filled with bars and sin and mom told me never to go there you know (laughs) he that's where he was assigned as a parish priest and the little boy pointed the way to ours and the the priest father jean-marie vianney he responded to the child. He's like, you have pointed out to me the way to ours. Now I will point out the way to heaven for you. Oh, that is beautiful. And there's still to this day a beautiful statue that accounts that conversation. And that's what the priest does. Exactly. And, you know, when we consider that, that it's this is a good month to draw close to the heart of Jesus. It's a powerful month to acknowledge the, re- the presence of Our Lady in our lives. But in charity, you know, we ask you to please pray for your priest in this month of And, you know, a priest shared with me one time, I've never forgotten it, that, you know, today we're so critical of our priests as far as maybe they're speaking or Mm. we have a priest, for example, great personality and all this going on. And then he's transferred Mm. and a priest with another personality comes or with a real struggle. 
You know, maybe he physically or mentally, but this priest shared, you know, when that happens in your parish, because it does, we're, they're moving around. We're all different. Maybe you are called as a parish to heal that priest, Mm. to pray for that priest. And, you know, a dear priest for us, I think he's probably saintly. Father Joe Losh publicly shared that he felt he was, there was some deadness Mm. in his priesthood. But a little group of Italian women had a prayer group and they invited him to come, not to lead the group, not to be prepared, another thing to do, but to pray. And he said, I saw Christ there. Mm. I felt like they knew him in a way that I had yet to know him. And he felt that they really were able to peel his heart in these ways to become just a dynamic vessel of the Holy Spirit, especially in our family. And, you know, we can personally say that. But he always went back to that little group of praying women who maybe saw in him something that was, you know, needing repair, needing love. And instead of criticizing, instead of talking about, oh boy, how much longer? Well, (laughs) you know, let's invite him in. So, you know, our priests are human. They are people and they come from cultures and families of you know, the, all of us, but we are to be instrument of not just them healing us and forgiving us. We are called to be instruments of their healing yeah. and their comfort and their friendship. Yep. And I think again, uh, father, uh, St. John Vianney really was a witness. And one of the things that I've read father is that there were 250, 50,000 people converted because of his faithful witness, just his faithful witness. Right. Yeah. And as you know, ours was not Paris. No. Ours was somewhere yeah, in exactly. the country. Yeah. And people were coming from all over France, yeah. all over hmm. Europe because of this one priest. Yeah, it's true. And yeah. I think we just have to. And they we, still do. And that's why today, as we talk about the Sacred Heart, the Sacred Heart is to change and take our hearts and to mm-hmm. transform our hearts. And when our hearts are transformed, we will see the priest differently. We will see the Eucharist differently, and mm-hmm. we will be living how the Lord wants. That's why he wants his heart in every home. Yeah. And he wants to become the king, brother, and friend. And I never really understood the friendship but, you know, when you think back, Father, and maybe help people understand, look at the friends he made along the way. It's Jesus, true. he made friends. Yeah. And that's what he wants with us. He wants that friendship relationship. No, it's absolutely true. Well, I know, Father, also as we move away from just a little bit of that call to priesthood and, and St. John Vianney and really helping to nourish vocations, we're also in the Marian month, and we never think of August as a Marian month. I know. We think of it just as like a hot, humid month. Hot? <laughs> but or, it's a Marian month. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You get out, uh, walked out the house this morning, you're like, oh, it's 
the humidity is back. Okay. And of course, I thought I was like, burn, burn, it's a charity. I just said, not raining. I thought that humidity, all I could think of was first Friday, burning, for a charity, hot and humid, Columbus. Yeah, it all comes together right here, right now. You know, but you're you're right, Chuck. I mean, we have all of these beautiful Marian uh, celebrations. And the other one was just yesterday, um, the dedication of the Basilica of St. Mary Major. And people are like, why do you Catholics have feast days for buildings even? Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, well, remember um, the church, the Basilica in Rome, St. Mary Major, was erected, built and dedicated in gratitude, with gratitude for the declaration of Mary as Theotokos, the God bearer at the Council Mm -hmm. of Ephesus. And then we look ahead and we have um, the great and powerful and beautiful solemnity of the Assumption on the 15th. And then a week after that, we have the celebration of the queenship of Mary. So if you just think about the, all of these beautiful mm-hmm. moments to consider the role Our Lady plays in our life as mother and as queen. And, um, you know, and like the Franciscans have kind of hijacked August, you know, because they got John Vianney in there. A couple yeah, days. <laughs> Greedy. Um, you know, and so on August 14th, there's the beautiful feast of St. Maximilian Maria Kolbe. A conventional Franciscan. And of course, he founded the Militia Immaculata. And a lot of people tend to think at first glance that that whole movement is totally dedicated to Our Lady, which it is. But the end of that movement is the restoration of the kingship of the Sacred Heart over all of creation. It's just St. Maximilian Maria Kolbe, he thought, he saw that the best way to bring the whole world back to the Sacred Heart of Jesus was by us becoming so close that we are one with the Immaculate Heart of Mary. And Our Lady is totally focused on the Heart of Jesus, her Son. So the best way to bring the whole world back to the Sacred Heart was by, for us, becoming fiercely devoted and members of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, the Immaculata, referring to her Immaculate Conception. So it's just just beautiful... uh, I'm getting these notes. I don't, is this an invitation or a command? <laughs> so, from the silent man that are, you know, Colby, greatest Marian saint of the 20th century. Maybe John Paul II. Yeah. We, we have some people competing for these titles. And who's the greatest Marian saint? <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm getting like poked, prodded, and overwhelmed with green index cards of notes. <laughs> so, for our listeners, maybe explain what happened on it, why we're celebrating his feast day. Mm. Uh, and the symbol that he was willing to give up his life. Yes, and, and the life of St. Maximilian Maria Kolbe is one that is fascinating because he was called from a, from the age of a little boy. His mother uh, became a bit overwhelmed with him being maybe, we might say, ornery. And she said, Raymond, what will become of you? And he understood that that was not just a chastisement for his mischievous behavior, but it was also really an invitation, like, what am I doing with my life? And he was a little boy. Hmm. And, you know, he had the a mystical vision of Our Lady, and she offered him two crowns, one crown of the purity of a consecrated vocation, a white crown, the other one a red crown of martyrdom. And um, Raymond was Raymond, so he asked for both. And he's like, mm. no, I'm offering one. <laughs> he wanted both crowns. He entered the Franciscan friars, the conventional Franciscan friars, at a very early age um, and went on to study in Rome. He was studying theology in Rome, and he confronted a painfully uh, painfully sinful protest being led by the Freemasons in Rome, seeking the destruction of the Roman Catholic Church. And they wanted the destruction and the death of the Holy Father. And that so unnerved Father, you know, Maximilian Maria Kolbe, 
that he went back to the friary and asked for permission to gather a group of friars that they would become the militia of the Immaculata, the army of Mary, to basically continue to work for bringing the whole world back to the Sacred Heart of Jesus. You fast forward, Poland succumbs to the Nazis. The Nazis invade, and um, the Nazis take over all of the media outlets. They start to, uh, of course, arrest and deport the Jews and put them to death, but they also start going after priests and religious. And they, the Gestapo arrived at the large friary that St. Maximilian Maria Kolbe had built. They arrested him, uh, put him in um, you know, a concentration camp. A prisoner had escaped, and as was the custom of the Gestapo, 10 prisoners would have to die because one prisoner escaped. And a man was chosen as a part of the ten, and he pleaded for mercy because of his wife and his children. Maximilian Kolbe, a priest, he was not chosen as part of the one of the ten, but he offered his life in place of that man so that his life would be spared. And uh, it's amazing because when he was beatified, he was beatified as uh, a confessor of the faith. But when he was canonized a saint, John Paul II uh, came forth from the basilica wearing the color of red showing that not only was he a confessor, but he was viewing him as mm. a martyr, a martyr of charity. And uh, we really, it sent, I think it's fair to say, like a spiritual shockwave throughout the church that even though he was not put to death because of professing the faith, he was put to death because he lived the faith. Mm. He offered his life for another. And he uh, was uh, condemned to death by starvation, and he outlived all of the other nine prisoners. And finally, the Gestapo put him to death through a lethal injection. And it's amazing how, you know, he lived his life as a holy oblation, you know, following the example of Our Lady, a holy oblation for the Sacred Heart of Jesus. And in the timing of his um, being, you know, put into confinement and his death sentence beginning, and then his dying, um, being so close to Our Lady assumption, uh, that it's only fitting that the day before her assumption, the church considers the beautiful prayers and the witness and the love and the devotion of this beautiful priest to Our Lady and Our Lord the day before. And um, in a normal time, in a normal year, the, uh, the 14th of August, for those of us here in the Midwest, that's the time to go to Cary because they have the huge oh, vigil beautiful. procession, outdoor mass. I mean, it's just out outdoor of this world amazing. Too. Oh, yeah. Confessions, processions, yeah. rosary, the mass. It's just amazing. Um, and, you know, even though we're under some difficult times now because of large gatherings, the shrine is there mm-hmm. year round. Definitely worth a pilgrimage, you know, and the conventional friars are there, this, the brothers of St. Maximilian Maria Colobe. Um, so it's a beautiful opportunity just to pray. And we're it's so blessed. Not, far at all. not at all. Um, and then uh, the other, another Marian shrine, Maria Stein, of the Shrine of the Holy Relics, they also have a large procession on that day as well. Uh, Friday night. So, but we we just ha- we're so blessed with so many opportunities in our area to we live are. the faith. Um, you but know, and to all, draw close wow, to our that's lady. Helpful right, us. and we're all called to be. You know what? What are our gifts? Everyone yes. has gifts. Yep. And it might not be martyrism. It might not be some something else that someone has. But we all have gifts of that spirit that our Lord gives us when we're baptized and confirmed. And I think, Father, as you mentioned, the queenship, mm. we, we have the king. It's true. Yeah, Jesus is the king. Absolutely. And totally. people struggle 
particularly coming from a Protestant faith. Yeah. Well, Mary. I know. You know, they they think we worship Mary when we honor Mary. It's true. We don't worship Our Lady because worship is something that is solely oriented towards God himself. But that doesn't mean we don't venerate Our Lady. Um, And I remember the words of Father John Paul Mary, Divine Mercy, a Franciscan friar, at EWTN, and he, you know, being in Birmingham, Alabama, you know, people come up to him and say, like, well, why do you guys love Mary so much? And, you know, I don't think I could ever do that. And he always tells them, ask the Lord for the grace to love his mother as much as he loves our mother. Hmm. You know, and then he gets that smirk on his face hmm. and turn around and walk away. He's like, they're hmm. toast, you know? <laughs> but if we just learn, if we ask for that grace to love her as much as Jesus loves her, then we can appreciate that. But, you know, I just, I a couple of weeks ago, I read a powerfully Excellent. You just really good book. And it was um, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary oh. by Brant Petrie. And oh, yeah. it's Petrie. so it's phenomenal. And Say um, that again, Father. Jesus, or it's uh, Jesus and the Jewish Roots of Mary. And if you ever wonder why we have titles for Our Lady like Queen or New Eve or even Mother. And he highlights a beautiful title as the New Rachel. Hmm. Um you understand why, because he's, he's got such a beautiful writing style of pulling all of the richness of the Old Testament, all of the richness of the Jewish scriptures, and helping us to understand Our Lady's role in our lives today. And the Queen Mother. Exactly. And he highlights a whole chapter on why she mm-hmm. is the Queen. She is the Queen because she is the mother of the King. And when we acknowledge her queenship, implicitly we are saying her son must be the King following the Davidic standard expressed in Solomon's uh, royal court. And when you understand that, her role, uh, it doesn't distract us or pull us away from the kingship, but actually it facilitates a greater understanding, a greater sense of obedience and love and filial worship for Jesus as our king. And then when you understand her as mother, then her son becomes our brother. Jesus Mm -hmm. is our brother. And so it's really by understanding her proper role in our salvation, we just fall head over heels in love with her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, and that's one of the reasons why in the Sacred Heart devotion and in the enthronement of the Sacred Heart, Our Lady has such an instrumental role to play in how we cultivate that openness to the kingship of Jesus. You know, back in 1900, when Father Matteo really led uh, the crusade, for the enthronement on every continent Absolutely. in the world. Um, Pope Pius X, um, feast day is coming up on August 21st, and this is what he says. Father Matteo, not only do I permit you, but I command you to give your life for this work of social salvation to spread the devotion of the enthronement of the Sacred Heart throughout the world. And I think, Father, that's all we're doing is carrying on what Father Matteo, what started early on with St. John the Apostle, is to let people know of the loving heart that our Lord has and that he wants his heart to be exposed in every home, every family, because he knows we need it. It's, it's true. not like he wants his picture up there, Father. Not like he needs <laughs> right. a big billboard. No, it's true. No, and he knows know, he's giving his heart to us. Yeah. And there are so many witnesses. There's so many stories out there that are being shared of people, families, businesses, 
when they haven't thrown the Sacred Heart, when they have welcomed Jesus formally into their home, what's happened? Jesus makes good on his promises. And I really encourage you, if you're not a part of our newsletter, go to welcomehisheart.com. Sign up for the monthly newsletter. It's not about a donation. People who contribute, we thank you so much because you know the importance of the ministry, the apostolate, and you want to be a part of it. But what this is really about is getting the word out. And you will be able to experience reading about each month the specialness of the month, the invitations of the month, and also the witnesses. So welcomehisheart.com. Don't hesitate. Sign up for the newsletter. Sign up your friends for the newsletter. And then tell them you've done it. <laughs> Give them a gift. Well, Father, and I And blame know, it on Joanne. <laughs> and blame it on me. And, you know, I know we're coming to a close. But again, for these families that are dealing with unrest, that mm. are dealing with anxiety. Many. That... Single people are dealing now with this virus. What should I do? And when do I go out or not go out? You know, who is the great healer? We're not bringing that up in conversations today yeah, in the world. It's, true. it's Jesus. He is. Mm. Yeah. And he wants to heal us. Yep. And he wants to be in every, fam- every family, every individual in their home with his image yeah. because he is the great healer. We have to get on our knees today and pray for great healing for our country and for what's going on. Uh, and then that's, and, and that's going to be led by his sacred heart. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he, at the end of the day, he is the one we need. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the day, he is the one we need. Mm-hmm. And all throughout the whole day, he is the one we need. And, he gives, and acknowledging that need for the Lord gives us the perspective to kind of see through the chaos and the muddied waters. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we right now we're surviving what happens in a world and what happens to humanity when the Lord yeah. is lost or dethroned. And how do you bring him back to the center, if not by first beginning with your own heart and then your home and with mm-hmm. your loved ones and your community of disciples, you know, your, your prayer groups, Bible studies, you know, rosary groups, uh, your parish, so on and so forth. So, you know, but as we go through the month of August and we bring this segment to a close, we go through the different feast days and the different saints and Our Lady and Our Lord. And it's just amazing, you know, when you go through these different days and dates and points of significance and feast days, it all brings us back to the Lord. It does. It all brings us back. And it also enriches the way we live the month, you know, it just enriches the opportunity to live the present moment with our Lord as the focus. And it gives us hope. It Absolutely. gives us hope. Yeah. In a, in a time where we're living, where the secular world just gives us no hope. It's so true. Jesus is our hope. That's why you need to enthrone him or renew your enthronement, bring your family together and pray the rosary as a family at least once a week on the Sabbath Sunday. Yeah. And if there's no faith, there's no hope, there's no love and the message that you're taking in don't take it in. Right, Turn it off. It's so true. As we uh, bring this hour, the Sacred Heart Hour on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio to a close, we invite you to join us as we offer up the prayer to the Sacred Heart. O most holy heart of Jesus, fountain of every blessing, I adore you. I love you, and with a lively sorrow for my sins, I offer you this poor heart of mine. Make me humble, patient, pure, 
and wholly obedient to your will. Grant, good Jesus, that I may live in you and for you. Protect me in the midst of danger. Comfort me in my afflictions. Give me health of body, assistance in my temporal needs, your blessing on all that I do, and the grace of a holy death. Amen. 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 This is listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, AM820 on WVSG Columbus and FM88.3 WSGR New Boston, Portsmouth.